Hey marketers, welcome to a new episode of the Marketing Maverick Show. My name is Chris and I'm joined today by David Coves. And we want to have an in-depth look into advertising with Google Ads. Uh, also other types of ads, PPC advertising, where David is um, focused, focused on. He has an own agency um, that he's been running for almost six years fully focused on advertising. And before that, he's been working at Google. So I'm sure there's going to be lots of interesting learnings that he took from there and then now uses in the agency. So firstly, I wanted to ask you, David, uh, you worked at Google for four years um, and now you work on the other side, running an agency. So firstly, but what type of work did you do at Google? I was responsible for um, the advertising side of Google. So first I, I got on board as an advertising um, optimizer we can call it that way i was responsible to handle certain accounts of certain agencies or certain clients and help them really excel and accelerate with google adwords back then it was called google adwords and then late, later on uh, two years in i actually got a job um, in phoenix arizona where i was responsible for managing a team uh, that was responsible for managing agencies across north america in a certain business segment so we were we were really looking at how agencies are handling their own accounts and we were looking at how we can help them scale, optimize and just make their ads better so that they stay with us longer and then their spend obviously uh, brings the returns that they needed. So that means you're basically an agency within Google helping other agencies, is that right? Pretty much, yeah. It was yeah. More, uh, more about uh, enhancing the experience, you know, more about optimizing the, the bigger accounts that they have sure. and helping mm -hmm. them trial and you know go through trial and error and understand how much money they can spend profitably on google ads or other uh, platforms that were within mm. google's realm and what did you what what made you go into this path of advertising versus all the other areas in online marketing because there's also a lot of marketers that choose organic marketing content marketing seo what made you go into paid media i think advertising is fascinating really i mean i've always been just really really impressed by the ability to be able to create a message understand what your brand stands for and then put it out in front of an audience that you believe will benefit from your product or from your service i always i always loved to think of myself as a creative person i always love to think of myself as someone who, who is able to put together an image uh, a strategy and a feeling around the product that will then turn into uh, customers being happy and of course business owners um, uh, scaling their brands so for me it was always something that interested me and you know from the moment i really started to get into it and understood more about advertising um i really thought that this is this is a field for me that i can excel in mm -hmm. and once i got to the us obviously it just got stronger and stronger because here i believe that just the range of opportunities that you have here in terms of what you can do with advertising is incredibly, uh, incredibly wide. And I would say that that was about, you know, six, eight years ago. And now anywhere in the world, in the UK or anywhere in the world, you can really use the tools that are given to you to create a brand from nothing. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible time we live in. You know, you can create a brand from nothing and you can put together a campaign around it. You can, you can literally create an experience within a couple of weeks to a couple of months that hasn't been there before. I think it's just fascinating. So for yeah. me, that's, that's why advertising is my, is my uh, number one. Uh, okay. Very good. 
um, yeah, it would, it would, I would really love to understand um, at ads, ad campaigns, PPC in a way that um, I can use it. I'm not so, we're not so much looking into that uh, at this moment. We've always gone the organic route of building a strong SEO presence, block marketing. That's kind of my background, what mm-hmm. I've spent the last years in. Um, so I see the massive benefit of getting it right. Um, do you work m- mainly with e-commerce or do you also work with B2B as, a, as an industry? We work mostly with e-commerce, but we do a lot of lead generation for B2B as well. So, I mean, obviously after spending over, I believe it's over $100 million in advertising spend across uh, the eight years. Uh, actually, it's already 10. Wow, time flies. Across the 10 years that I, that I worked with Google and Facebook, um, we work mostly with e-commerce these days, but there's a lot of wholesale and retail that's happening. So B2B is also a very important part. Okay. What, what made you choose e-commerce as your main focus? I think it's, it's just a very straightforward process. You know, uh, I always loved products. I always loved the idea of building, building something around a product. Um, mm. And I think e-commerce is one of the most competitive areas, you know? So if you can make it in e-commerce, you can really make it anywhere. So okay. I, I like a good challenge. Good argument, yeah. Um, how do you measure your return on investment in your campaigns? Actually, that's very simple. So e-commerce is one of those niches that you can really measure everything to the dollar. So what we usually do is we measure ROAS, return on ad, ad spend, right? Okay. Um, and then eventually what we are looking for is a couple of different metrics. Uh, the bigger ones, as I said, could be the cost of a sale or the return on your ad spend, right? But then there are smaller conversions such as click-through rate, which we call micro-conversions. So when you look at the entire funnel, we start with the micro-conversions to identify best-performing ads, for example, or best-performing keywords. And then we move on to the bigger conversions, such as, as I said, the cost of a sale or the return on your advertising spend. Okay. Um, if, if we look at, let's say, the B2B side, the field that we are active in, the challenge is that um, the customer lifetime value uh, will exceed the ad spend over the period of time, maybe even over months, 10 months, a year. Um, is that a problem that you also have with e-commerce or is that pretty much negligible because you measure ads and returns right away? I think, I think it's somewhere in between, okay. you know, we do measure returns right away, but honestly, if you look at it, you can, many instances, you can only measure the first purchase, right? So someone comes to your store, buys a product, then you have a, a return on ad spend there, let's say four X, right? But when that person comes back, uh, chances are he either comes back directly. So by typing in your, your URL or comes back because of an email or something. So there's no, there's no full scope attribution within the ad platforms. And that's why we recommend using Google analytics as a, as a source to really track uh, lifetime value, because it can be much higher than the initial numbers that you get from your platforms. Yes, exactly. Um, Is there an, an average goal, a number of return that you aim for? that you say, okay, a new client comes on board. Is there a benchmark where you say, I'll definitely want to always get above this one point X RI? Well, you know, it's, it's a really hard question because every product is different, right? So mm-hmm. every product is a different cost, cost of goods sold, meaning that some product might break even at 1.6 X return and some others might break even at 3.5. So usually what we do when we start working with someone, we do a, a really in-depth analysis of their business and understand where their pricing stands versus, you know, what their costs are and their margins are. 
And only then we can identify a, a good return. Yeah. I would say in a general case, and this is just generalizing, for a, on every e-commerce brand <clears throat> with a value of let's say 50 or more, $50 or more per item, you're looking at about 1.8 to 2.2 as a break-even point. Right. And then anything above that is obviously going to be profit. But again, it's extremely case by case. So, yeah. uh, so <laughs> don't call me out on that later. <laughs> and at 1.8 to 2.2, is that based on return on ad spend? Correct. Okay. So that means there's still some spend to be made from the profit on the media fees to you, right? The media what? The media fees, let's say your compensation for handling it. Yes. Okay. And other things involved. Okay. Um, just wanted to get the overall picture. I think usually we can actually do two different metrics. And this is something I, I sometimes introduce to the conversation. One is ROAS, which you already talked about, but the other one is COAS with a P, which is profit on ad spend. And what you do really is you just deduct everything that's your cost, your agency fee, yes. your, your product costs, everything. And that's your true profit. However, the reason why most advertising agencies don't look at that is because there's so many things that are out of our control. I, I don't control your pricing. I don't control mm -hmm. your shipping, your fulfillment, your returns. So it's easier for you to work with an agency and look at ROAS because that's something that we control 100% and then yeah. we can manipulate. I fully see that point because that is the same problem, whatever service you're offering, let's say even if you're offering social media marketing services or SEO services, and I used to do that for a while, people often like to make you responsible for everything, especially let's say, when I started out, when you work with smaller clients, right? Um, they have different types of expectations. And then often it comes, can you help us also with the sales side? But I believe anyone just does the job they're supposed to do. Um, obviously, like you want to over deliver in that region, but you cannot solve every, every single thing and, and handle the whole chain, the whole value chain. I agree. Yeah. Is, would you say there's a minimum budget that anyone should put into ads to give it a chance to work? Yeah, um, that's also a little difficult because it depends on where do you want to get, right? But if you have a product that is, let's say it's a $100 product, right? We typically say that you should put in about 20x of your product price in advertising spend. So that would be 2k minimum. Um, but if you have a product that's, that's going to cost a thousand dollars, we're not going to recommend you to spend 20 grand, right? So I would say that if you're just starting out, you're a small business, uh, look at it from a different angle. And the angle I would look at it is if you're already making profit, take 33% of your revenue and then put it back into marketing, whatever that is. And then marketing includes everything from packaging to, to organic, to pay, and then just divide that up based on what you want. However, I would strongly suggest that if you have less than $1,000 to spend on advertising, maybe don't start advertising just yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. Try making money other, on other channels, email, organic, whatever else. And once you have enough money to test advertising properly, then you should start. And then one last thought on that. The reason why I'm saying that is, is if you spend less than $1,000 per month on advertising, your testing is going to be extremely slow. As you can imagine, the more, the more you put in, the quicker your test, tests are going to bring results, meaning you're going to just be 
slowly wasting money across months and months without much results. So. Yes, I agree with that. I, I've also made that learning. It needs something. It, it just needs a bit of money to make it work. Yep. Um, how do you see the advertising landscape versus the six years ago when you started? What I see is there's so many marketers, freelancers that are entering the space trying to sell those services. How do you feel things are different for you selling your services versus back then? Things are very different. You know, it, it used to be a lot easier to, to land clients. Uh, and I believe that, you know, because of COVID and everything, there has been a lot of new agencies popping up uh, as of basically last year, which I think is a great innovation to the industry. I think uh, new people will bring new ideas. New ideas will result in just a better structure overall. But also I think that versus six years ago, you know, there has been a lot of innovation in terms of AI and, and automations. So soon enough, I believe that the agencies that have the experience uh, and the agencies that have the expertise to work on multiple channels, not just one, will survive. And the agencies that are only focusing on maybe a single channel, um, maybe without much of a history, I believe will have a hard time uh, staying afloat because of just how dense the industry mm. is. Yeah, I feel it is incredibly dense. Um, when I went to networking events before COVID, every fourth, fifth person was doing something in advertising. <laughs> yeah. That was how it, that's how it, and that, that's probably has even accelerated. <laughs> yeah. Now I think every third person will be doing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you already touched on automation? How does it impact your work now? Um, let's say without now looking at the future, How has it changed in the last years? Do you feel more things are being done by automation or is it, is it just a nice, um, let's say a bit of help for your analytics and helping your team? I think it's a mix of the two. You know, I think way more things are being done by automation, right? Google introduced their smart shopping campaigns, for example, which, which are pretty much fully automated. Um, also automation helps you take care of little mistakes that you otherwise might make, you know, uh, budget ran out, website came, you know, like unavailable, all those things before you had to check manually. Now you actually have systems that would alert you right away when it happens. And also in terms of the other experience, the experience after someone clicks on your ad has changed dramatically. There, had, there are several tools that are helping you optimize your website mm -hmm. based on your conversion rate, based on your funnel. Uh, and there are several tools that allow you to, to put a lot of automated messages and instances and impulses in front of your customer so that you can upsell products, you can create a, a better experience for everybody. So automation 100% is here and is, is a major part of the advertising industry. Yeah. Um, luckily, it cannot think for us. Luckily, you still need the brains to figure out a, a creative strategy to actually sell your brand. But who knows, maybe in 20 years, they're going to take that part too. Okay. What is your gut feeling uh, you know, about the future? Do you feel it's going to be mostly automated or why do you see the role of the agency? Well, really, it, it, it will be partly automated, but I think we might just go back to implementing things manually as well. You know how people find value in manual implementation yes. and expertise. And I think uh, once we are overdoing the automation part, everything's going to be equal, right? It's like Satari's paradox. It's basically an mm -hmm. even playing field for the guy who just started yesterday and for yeah. the guy who started 10 years ago. So we have to go back to some manual impact so that we can really stand out. And then yes. the best agencies are going to be the ones that are standing out. So that's my prediction. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I, it reminds me of another example, an analogy where you see everything moves online, everything moves to email, to text messaging, automation, WhatsApp, whatever type of marketing channel people are now using. That makes old media more attractive now. That makes yeah. direct mail. So people are now jumping back to that or mm -hmm. maybe even the phone call. Or now that we are in, in, in times or have been in times where we couldn't meet up physically, my hope is that will pick up again and we'll also bring that into the mix. And I, I do feel when something gets too extreme, it, it, it automatically will shift in some way. That's, yeah. I think it will always find its balance. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think we're going to go back to the good, old, the good old methods, but using, you know, using what we like about the automated methods. Using the best of both, yeah. Um, what is your personal favorite platform to advertise? Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's hard because uh, we do we do a lot of different platforms. I think look, I think if we look at it from a holistic standpoint, I think Facebook ads is very good for creating awareness and generating an impulse. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the frame for everybody to kind of pick whatever they they figure is the best. But mm -hmm. Facebook is the best for creating impulse. Okay, um, you're creating an emotion by showing a video by by being able to put the emojis out there by being able to really find your audience very, very meticulously. However, Google Ads is more intent-based. So my core and my favorite platform, uh, let's say 60 to 40 might still be Google because it's more predictable. You know, you understand what's going to happen. You understand what are the search volumes for different keywords, and then you can manipulate it. And you're talking to a customer that already wants to buy versus on Facebook, Sometimes it feels like you're, just, you're, you're trying to shove a product in front of someone's face mm -hmm. that may or may not need it. So it's a very different mindset. It's a very different approach. Mm -hmm. However, for a, for a brand, okay, for a brand that's just starting out, Facebook is 100%, I believe, the preferred method. Because if they don't know you yet, if they don't know your brand yet, you better be known first a little bit. You better push a little bit of quote unquote publicity on Facebook awareness. And once you're known, go on to Google, start using shopping, start using branded ads, retargeting ads, and then uh, fill your funnel. Okay. That's my take. Sure. So let's talk a bit about the agency side, um, your business model. Uh, if you were starting today again, would you recommend yourself or also then let's say <laughs> other people to jump into the space? Or is it, what would you say, because it is so crowded, do something else? Uh, yeah, I think it's extremely crowded. So only jump in if you have a solid plan and if you have the knowledge. I think the problem here, what I'm seeing, is that a lot of people are over-promising and under-delivering. Uh, so if you're jumping in, make sure you have either someone who works with you that understands these platforms really well, or you yourself can take care of the business. Because what you need is really a couple of things. You need to be able to talk, and convince customers to not, not only come on board with you, but also stay with you. Mm -hmm. That is a hard task because they're gonna ask hard questions. You also need to be able to organize yourselves internally. Okay, you need to have a project management system, you need to have a communication system, you need to have a lot of different SOPs, standard operating procedures, to really understand how your systems are working together as one. And I think that's extremely important, a lot of people forget, you know. Um, so if someone's thinking about starting an agency right now, I would definitely recommend them look at it from a holistic uh, overview and start 
start with the knowledge that they already have from their life, from the past. So let's say you worked at gyms all your life, great. Start a specific gym-focused offer. If, you, if you're really good at art, maybe start going after nonprofits and art galleries. You know, do something that you have a connection with. Otherwise, you're just going to be the one millionth person trying to do e-commerce without any knowledge. You know? Yes. And what I would add there is also that a lot of things look almost like the perfect business model from the outside. Um, also like this idea of passive income is a big idea to people that are new into the marketing industry. But there's also downsides to that. Let's say if you're starting in affiliate marketing, um, it's not just, there's limits to that, or it also requires hard work. Then, then you're building 20 different affiliate websites. And then all of a sudden you're feeling you're hitting a limit, uh, which you could also put in your own business, in your own product. So my, what I would just want to add there is that um, something that looks good could have a lot of disadvantages on the other hand as well, um, which the agency model also may have, especially now to new people that are thinking it is one of the best business models out there. Yeah, I agree. There's, first of all, there's no free lunch. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, passive income, it sounds nice. There's nothing passive about it. You've got to work for it. And then when there's fires, it's either you taking care of it or you're whoever you hire to do it, but someone is not very passive about it. So <laughs> yeah, it's also, yeah, it's also massive dependency on promoting another one, another product with that model. Yeah. Um, let's look quickly into the B2B space. Um, promoting B2B software with lead gen campaigns. How would you set up um, that sort of campaign for, let's say promoting a SaaS product? What other things you would look out for? Very interesting. Actually, we are promoting a SaaS product these days, and it's very successful. So, um, when you look at when you look at Google Ads, that's specifically what you know you're looking at when you're trying to address B two B interests. I believe that when you set up your campaigns, you also need to understand what what the landing page is going to be showing to these customers after they click, because eventually, what you're trying to do here you're trying to convince another business owner to come on board with you and then try something else, try something that they haven't heard of. And, and the difference between just selling an item to a customer versus having another business uh, do business with you is, is very subtle, but very important. So for example, in your case, we are literally trying to identify the needs of those businesses. And then in Google ads, you can obviously do a, several different things starting from the very simple keyword based advertising where you can set up keywords such as i don't know uh, conversion rate optimization for example and then businesses will want to have their websites optimized for conversion right uh, or you can set up queries like um, best tool for cro something like that so when when we talk at businesses really that those are the the intentions that we do we're trying to figure out what they're looking for trying to understand whether there's a search demand on the market. So the way you do that, you go to SpyFu or SEMrush, SEMrush and figure out whether there's any demand. And then once you have that, you build those keyword campaigns and then you build some ad copy around it. And the ad copy has to be very specific. It has to say exactly, you know, use this tool for your business. You have to mention business. You have to mention um, scalability. Mm -hmm. And you have to just understand what, might be the trigger points for these people so that they click. And then lastly, when they click, you have to provide them with an experience that is catered to them. Specifically, meaning if you're talking to a business owner, 
you have to show them how this is going to help them increase their revenue, increase their traffic, uh, make sure their, their customers stay on the website. So essentially, you would highlight those points on the page, not necessarily in the ads. Okay, sure. Um, and that's, that's good to hear. Um, you already answered some point that's, I want, that I wanted to ask in the next, next question. What would you do in a hyper-competitive niche? And I think the answer is exactly that, right? To be so specific. Um, and would you say that that means provide kind of long landing page with, with, with a lot of copy? Or um, do you have any preference in terms of the media you, you show? Would you show video or would you say um, just specify yeah. all those things with a lot of copy? I think I would, I would definitely go for more copy than less because okay. business owners need to understand what they're buying, right? Um, videos are fine or images that explain clearly what you're offering are mm. actually good. And don't forget, as a business owner, unless your product is extremely cheap, the cycle of, of purchase is going to be a little bit longer, okay? You're not buying yes. sunglasses. You're buying a software. You're, you're figuring out what you want to do. And as a business... Specifically talking about, you know, uh, software, right? As a business, you probably do your, your window shopping, right? I mean, I'm looking at one product, I'm looking at three others, I'm looking at G2 Crowd, you know? So mm -hmm. you've got to be able to retarget these people. So when you have search ads on Google, you also have to have retargeting ads for search so that you can actually get back in front of them and say, hey, you know, we've seen you checked out our product, come back. Here are mm -hmm. the benefits. Look at this testimonial, right? That's really yes. what, what it comes down to, uh, specifically when you talk about software. If you want to advertise B2B for e-commerce, that's a whole different story. Yeah, all right. Um, and finally, do you feel there's any industry where advertising, let's say Google ads, don't work? Uh, yes, very specific industries, I believe. So, for example, farming is one that we, we tried a couple of years ago and it was just really hard to <laughs> get anything moving there. Um, any businesses that are really old, old fashioned, so to say, you know, that are working still on a handshake basis or just mm -hmm. local, who knows who basis are going to be hard to advertise. Um, so for example, we, we tried advertising large scale farming equi equipment, um, in the past and nobody was really interested, but even that you can kind of make, you can make it work with lead generation, you know, um, there are certain industries that Google don't allow, right? Um, for example, firearms, um, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff, right? Obviously, those are not going to work. But pretty simply put, if you can search for it, then you can advertise for it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> true. That's interesting to hear, though, about this certain industry. Never heard that from anyone yeah. that, let's say, built ads. It's interesting. <laughs> um, That's true. Is, um, are you currently taking on new clients? Yes, we are actually taking on new clients, and we have a really really comprehensive program for anyone that wants to come aboard okay and where should people go to if they want to learn more it's very simple just go to our website r2gdigital.com and then you can learn more about us you can book a call with us uh, and then we'll we'll have a chat with you we'll look at your brand and uh, see what we can do and this is r2 with a two and then g okay digital. yeah good great um Thanks a lot for sharing all your knowledge. Uh, I enjoyed that session. And as you say, um, anyone that wants to look deeper into it can, can have a look on your site. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate the time and, and all the knowledge you shared. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.